whoa, I want to try this. I want to talk with demons and I want to talk with angels and stuff like that. Cool. Get involved. Can't see the forest for the trees and the toilet on your knees. Praying the dollar signs but can't get the earth when she breathes. From the depths of the roots to the canopies of thieves with sun's energies to trap through photosynthesis. My words split the seeds, spawn right through the saplings. All you do is harm life through your rapping mechanical medicine man with lights flashing. Your time's up. Now the titans are clashing, splashing. Can't see the ocean for the waves. Can't see the chains. Can't see the change. They blind slaves. They mind slaves. Victims of the mental holocaust. No expression. How they showering with molotovs. Fire brains. These kittens can't pull the lion's mane. Can't see my world unless you're looking through these eyes of pain. Can't see the soul for the flesh, blood, and bones. Can't see the crown. Cause we the kings with no thrones Welcome back to Black Hoodie Alchemy, folks I'm Anthony Tyler And I'm not gonna do a, a big introduction Because um, I'm pretty satisfied with the one I gave This is a pre-recorded conversation I had on uh, special guest Doug Batchelor host of the what magic is this podcast which is a very in-depth podcast that's been around for a minute doug is um a very well-informed source of information and a practicing magician we'll get into that a little bit some things that came into mind appeared to me um after recording this are some things i just want to drop real quick like um, I, if you've listened to most of the episodes of this podcast, you've probably heard that I was featured in a UFO documentary, As Within, So Without, from UFOs to DMT. It was uh, directed by the dudes over at the Mind Escape podcast, also have been around for a while, um, and great dudes. It's a philosophical UFO documentary. It's an existentialist, uh, experiential perspective. That looks into things like comparative religion, analytic psychology, and psychedelics, uh, psychedelic research, um, to try and understand the UFO phenomenon a bit more. And it actually won the People's Choice Award at uh, this year's uh, 2023 Roswell UFO Expo. You can go check this documentary out now for free, a cut of it, on YouTube. Um, so I will link that in the in the description. Um, it's free now, so go check it out. And you can find me in there among many great people, many great minds. In other news, uh, this conversation with Doug was great. I had a lot of fun. Um, I had some scheduling things that hemmed me up um, at the beginning there. And he had some scheduling things that hemmed him up at the end there. So that being said... Uh, I think we managed to cover all the bases that we wanted. It didn't feel rushed, but there's definitely going to be a, a part two because we only got into um, a certain amount of what we could talk about, even introductorily speaking. This episode, this conversation mostly covers the context of magic then and now, what it meant then, what it means now, um, a lot of occult philosophy, if you will. And uh, the, but a bit of practice as well. The next episode, um, the next bit of the conversation we have that might not be next episode, like directly, we'll, we'll see. We'll talk about practice and application a bit more. There are other episodes I've dealt with um, or that I've put out that specifically deal with magic. You can go check those out. I'll link those in the show description as well. 
but even though I've had a couple guests that would uh, be considered actual magicians on the show, and I as well have you know practiced, I've experimented with magic. I don't consider myself a magician first and foremost. You know, the show is Black Hoodie Alchemy, but magic is part of my toolkit, and I have used it. I do use it, um, but I have a steak and potatoes sort of magic. Um, there's some people that have gone a lot further than I have. And, um, some of my guests have been magicians and we've talked about magic, but we haven't just done a bare bones. What is magic show per se? Um, we've talked about magic in context with other things, but not exclusively magic. And so now we have Mr. Douglas bachelor on, um, and like I said, you know, you could check out my books, Dive Manual and Hunt Manual. Um, you can find that, you know, I, I I go into some detail about some of my experimentation and uh, some of my journey, you know, to segue into larger bits of research. You know, I have certain things that work for me and they're, and I'm fascinated with learning about so much more. And my process is always expanding, but in and I'm always open to changing, but I know what works for me. And while I study other things, I can incorporate whatever I want. You know, the process is fluid, but I just have what works. Um, and this show goes into many different areas. Uh, Doug is very entrenched in magic, uh, period. So this is what I found to be a very insightful conversation. And like I said, there will be a part two coming soon. I won't chatter on any longer. I think that's, uh, yeah, I think that's good for now. So without further ado, let's get into it. We beat the odds, rebels with the cars, sitting in the shrine, talking dirty to the guys, my nigga. We beat the odds, rebels with the cars, sitting in the shrine, talking dirty to the gods. Yeah, we beat the odds, rebels with the cars, sitting in the shrine, talking dirty to the gods, my nigga. We beat the odds. Rebels with a cause, sitting in the shrines, talking dirty to Welcome back to Black Hoodie Alchemy, folks. I have another special guest for you here this week. I am Anthony Tyler. We are broadcasting on the Fringe FM initially. I'm sitting here with uh, Douglas Bachelor. I'll give him, um, I'll um, volley the ball over to him or here in a moment, but I just want to give him a brief introduction. This is a guy that I've known for some time now i actually i remember when he first started doing his show and watching him uh low-key blow up a little bit which is really cool and that's actually um how i like the first times i ever crossed paths with comedian steve berg who was a guest on the show i saw steve on twitter um raving about doug's podcast I'm like hot ah, damn that's one of the dudes from drunk history that's pretty cool uh, douglas <laughs> is doing all right over here um but he's got the show what magic is this and uh it's an excellent show uh i would say in my sphere you know there's a lot of great shows out there but from this the sphere i operate in might be one of the it is one of the best uh magical podcasts out there um it's douglas is a guy who's you know very magically minded so you're not going to get you know, some skeptical poo-poo from him, but he's very clear, <laughs> he's very clear cut and analytical, and he is not afraid to give you the real truths uh, and to separate 
um, fact from fiction, you know, because there's a lot that's kind of uh, one of the key motifs in esotericism, metaphysics, whatever title you want to slap on it. We're always trying to not only um, further our own practice and our studies, but, you know, just figure out there's such an emphasis on truth. And that's something I want to talk to you a little bit about, Douglas, because I uh, I think truth, the truth is important, but um, it I think it might be missing the mark sometimes because, you know, what is reality and all these things? We'll get into that. But how are you today, my friend? I'm doing really good, man. That was that's such a wonderful introduction. I appreciate it. And yeah, it's true. There's while we're mainly talking about truth, it's it's weird because I I try to actually think of myself as being somewhat skeptical. I mean, I I am kind of in a way a skeptical occultist. I'm skeptical about what is being passed off as being true within magic and and that sort of things and. Um, for myself, the way that I, I think I like to approach things, if I'm going to toot my own horn, is that I think magic is real, and therefore I want to give magic its real history and its real due. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's kind of where my whole angle has always been. Um, so it's it's like it's one of those things where if if people are skeptical and they log on to the show, immediately you're going to be greeted upon somebody who. It is me, and I do believe magic is real. And so, just get over that. It's either like <laughs> if you can, you can log off. It's like okay, this guy thinks that this thing is is fake, or it's it's not wayward psychology, which is like that's like the first you know like the first thing that people do when they start getting interested in magic is that they just go, well, maybe it's just like wayward psychology. Like it's all in your head, but you're just like tricking yourself. And uh, I don't think that. I think there's that's an aspect of what I'm doing and what magic is, but it's not the whole story. So, so yeah, if you log on to my show, it's just like magic's real and there's a real history, and and let's and let's go through it. So, yeah, thank you so much for uh, for the the kind words, Anthony. I, I truly appreciate it. Thank. Yeah, it was low key blow up. I guess. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put that underneath my, my podcast. This is like <laughs> I. Lo, I low key blew up. Um, but uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's kind of true. I mean, my podcast is my job. I'm one of the. I'm one of the very few people that. Uh, and I, I hope this doesn't come off like bragging because no. I, I literally, I literally was able to go to a dentist for the first time in like five years. So, <laughs> so there's people like, wow, he's rolling in dough. It's like I literally had to save up money. Uh, for my luxury bones here in Canada for the first time in like four years. So I'm not, I'm doing okay. I'm not rich. My podcast is my job. It's a lot of work, but I'm, I'm very, very lucky that uh, I get to do what I love for a living. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's going to be certain uh, very personal things you'll have to navigate with being your own boss like that, but it is, it is very rewarding, I'm sure. So uh, low key, congratulations on that. Oh, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Appreciate but, um, it. Andy. Yes, sir. Um, so for listeners, um, we've almost every guest is very familiar with magic, um, has dabbled in it. Um, and I would say of the guests that we've had, legit magicians i would say eric millar and keats ross um yeah yeah other than that yeah like i said everyone very magically minded but um uh doug here is um probably the first other than those two guys the first very diligent 
magician here on the show. So I, I want to pick his brain about a few different things in this hour or so we got. I am, you know, you can read my book, Dive Manual. I'm very familiar with magic and the practice of, um, you know, if I think most people listening would be pretty familiar at this point, but we're not talking about wand waving in particular so much as we are, you know, think about trance states uh, and meditation, even dream analysis and things like that. And we'll get further into that. But um, I consider myself, you know, I have a very mystical mindset. I've heard Doug say he, um, you know, while he, he he's not a stranger to philosophy, he doesn't consider himself a philosopher. I would definitely like probably more than anything, consider myself a philosopher. So right. I, I do have some of that occult philosopher slash what some people would call because i listened to i believe it was your how to start magic pod uh show recently right. and uh you said um let's let's differentiate between maybe let's not use the armchair magician yeah thing, and let, maybe let's I hate, call people, i hate that term i hate that term it's like just yeah uh it's so it's very it's so demeaning it's it's yeah. very demeaning and, and it always has that tinge of you know like othering people because they just that their curiosity like makes them somehow lazy i hate that i absolutely hate that phrase anyway sorry go ahead <laughs> no no well said um and part of that was um uh, i i guess a, a good place to start uh to snowball outward is because this comes up on the show all the time what are your thoughts on chaos magic as it extends into the larger realm of esotericism it seems to be a great way for people to wrap their heads around it initially yeah so chaos magic is basically the easiest way of explaining it to people is um, it's results-based magic and whereby people try as many different categories and i'm putting that in huge air quotes categories and or traditions to to see what actually works and it started in the uh started in like the late 70s early 80s in in england for the most part people like uh, pete carroll as well as phil hine and and many others whose whose names uh, aren't coming to me right now but um it's it's a very popular it was very popular particularly in the 90s as as internet culture became a thing and towards the end of the uh, the 90s it was kind of reinvigorated with the release of the comic book the invisibles by grant morrison who mm. was uh, who did a very good job of, of kind of spreading the gospel of, of chaos magic. But what it is, is basically just trying as many things and seeing what sticks. It's, it's that, uh, it's that whole testing pasta to see if it's done style magic, like throw it on a wall, whatever sticks, you know, it's good. Um, but here's the thing. I think what's happened with chaos magic now is that it's kind of been relativized to the, to the point where now everybody kind of, is doing the chaos thing without really saying that it's chaos magic. So I, I say this not with a, like any kind of disrespect. When people ask me, you know, what kind of magic do you do specifically, Doug? And I say, well, I just, I kind of like, I have, um, I do necromantic negromancy, goetic necromantic negromancy with uh, flourishes of Greco-Egyptian shenanigans. And people will be like, what on earth are you talking about? And I'll just say, <laughs> I, I'll just say I'm a chaos magician. I just like, <laughs> I, I, I do a lot of my interactions with, you know, like uh, with the dead and, and the, the spirits of those who have passed uh, things of that nature. And with what we are calling um, uh, spirits 
from, say, list grimoires like the Ars Goetia and, and things of that sort. But for the most part, a lot of what I do is, is inflected by all of the things, all of that pasta that I threw up against the wall and the stuff that has stuck. I, I pick from those, those loose noodles on the wall and bring it into my magic and kind of create something that is so idiosyncratic that it's entirely mine. So chaos magic is just that way of finding um, all of all of the bits and pieces that that work for you. Now, there's very few people nowadays that will call themselves chaos magicians. And there's people who, when you look at their work, they they have a very eclectic way of approaching things. And you could point at them and say, oh, that's chaos magic. And they will say, no, 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 no. What I do is something different. But I think that the the chaos magic toolkit, that whole idea of just finding what works and what doesn't uh, is a very important one. And it was one that was used uh, to great effect. And, and and I would say most people these days, while they would not label themselves chaos magicians, have been influenced very much by the chaos, uh, the chaos toolkit, which is, yeah, just finding out what works for you. There's very few people I know that are, that are locked into one tradition is, is basically what I, what I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that now more than ever. Um, yeah. It seems like in the internet era, there's uh, humanity has been tasked with this, you know, more so in the past, there was a, there was a data gathering. Now we really have to analyze and we have so much data um, now than we've ever had. And, you know, uh, relatively speaking on the historical timeline, like this is the first time that so many different cultures and magical practices have had the chance to group up and share notes and things like that, um, at least on such a, a wide, quick scale. Um, I, I want to jump in on, on that and just basically say, like, well, what happened beforehand before like. Before the internet was that when you'd want to study magic, you'd usually find out from some like old dude who would say that you have to join this order or this order or this order. We don't have that anymore. If you, if you want to look for, for magic, yeah, the golden dawn is going to come up. Yeah. Things like the, the OTO um, or the AA. And if people don't understand what I'm talking about, these are magical orders. These are orders that have been around for uh, some more than a hundred years. Well, the golden dawn broke up way back in the early uh, 20th century, but mm-hmm. there's kind of offshoots of the Golden Dawn and their style of of magic, um, which is lodge based magic. I'll just say that lodge based magic. That was kind of like the only way that you get information. And maybe every once in a while, you come across a library that would have something written by Aleister Crowley that hadn't been stolen by somebody yet. So that was the way things were done. And then with the advent of the internet, of course, what you have is a lot of people. They're digitizing a lot of these books and and people are able to find their own way. So now, you know, it's not just about running across somebody who's like, oh, I, I, I know about leukemia and I'm going to find out about leukemia Santeria and that's going to be my tradition for the rest of my life. Now it's, it's, it's such a smorgasbord. It's a, it's a buffet of whatever you want to try that when you start to do things, you'll notice that there's similarities with something else that you looked up on the internet and be like, Oh, maybe I can just branch out and see what this has to offer as well. So um, in a ways, some things are getting diluted, but in other ways, I think it's, it's the, there's a great deal of freedom that is occurring for people. And, and that, that chaos toolkit that I talked about um, is, is now more prevalent than, than it's ever been. I do really do think that this is a good thing. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and I think the ways that it's being diluted, um, it's just sort of the the natural ebb and flow of things. Like I'm I'm not convinced that these studies can ever be like quote unquote mainstream. Just it almost seems like there's 
like the physics of it in a way is there's a natural obfuscation, like in the same way that um, the government today, they blur the truth by um, just blasting us with so much random information that uh, we're always moving on to the next thing. And uh, it seems like that is the thing that will always keep um, esoterica esoteric is, right. you know, in, in the age <laughs> now more than ever, we have so much information, but how many people are um, in the, you know, a grand scheme of uh, the, the global population, how many people are really getting into the esoteric still? And, and how many people are looking into the right sources for that matter, which I think is something that we'll, uh, we'll get into here soon. But I, I, um, you also appreciate Jung and, uh, and I listened hmm. to your, uh, your, your, um, solo episode on Manly P hall. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. These, these two are names that are highly influential to me. I bring up Jung at least like name drop probably every episode. Uh, and man, <laughs> Manly P hall is, uh, fairly close. Um, and Jung always fits in so well to me and, this was always a hunch I had, but I, uh, I've seen more people articulate it as well. Jung would have been very, he would have had a field day if he had lived long enough to hear people spitball ideas like chaos magic and even just chaos yeah. theory. Um, he was really on the tip of that. And you can see some of the similarities with him. Um, like I believe, I don't think they ever had direct communication, but I know Austin Osmond spare commented you know, he was a proto chaos magician. He commented on some of Jung's work and was like, this guy's missing the mark. He's over psychologizing this stuff. But yeah. but I think if Spare had read um, like if he had lived long enough to read like uh, the Red Book or Memories, Dreams, Reflections by Jung when he was getting very open about his like wizardry, I think I, I think they would have found that Jung was very chaos magical. So Jung first, what are your what are your thoughts on this gentleman here? Well, Carl Jung is such a fascinating um, character, just his life in general. When, when people ask me, you know, where to start with Jung, I, I bring up that book that you just mentioned, Memories, Dreams, Reflections. It's a really interesting, albeit very dated. Uh, some of the terminology, particularly that he uses when he talks about people in Africa is, is very of its time. So uh, you oh, can true. kind of. You can kind of forgive Jung of that, but it, it's a wonderful I've of anything that Jung has written. It's probably. It's probably memories, dreams, reflections, and then um, actually his his book on uh, on UFOs. Um, but yeah. uh, anyways, Jung is just such a fascinating character, and this this idea of archetypes as well as the collective unconscious is is a very fascinating one. But I think that for because I'm more magically oriented, all of the psychology stuff is all well and good. I love it. Um, I do consider Jung in in a lineage of everybody's trying to claim young for themselves. And I would never be the one to propose that young was a, was a magician or a chaos magician um, in so much, in so far as the fact that a lot of the things that he did are magical. But I, I think that for young, the biggest thing that one who is approaching magic can get from him is this idea that we don't have ideas. Ideas have us, which is a very important mm. distinction. And, and his entire I'm hoping the listeners of your show are, are, are familiar with something like Philemon, who was um, in a way almost like a guide, but it was a it was a, it was a spirit teacher Definitely. that Jung had that he thought was in his mind, who would say things to Jung like, 
dude, I am dude. He didn't say dude, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but see, he, he basically says like this, I am outside of you. This is not like just your psyche talking to itself. It's that and so much more. Mm-hmm. There is more to this. And, and that's what I think that a lot of people need to get from Jung. And Jung has been trashed since Jung's been trashed since he first became a public figure. He's mm-hmm. always been trashed. And, and there are things about Jung that I really do not like. There's some there are some ways that he approached things that are just so dated and just not cool. But this, this idea that there is something outside yourself is kind of one of the first hurdles, I think, for magicians to get over. That To go back to what I mentioned earlier, that this, I do think magic's real. I don't think it's just psychology. And Jung was one of the first people that kind of, he wouldn't call it magic because he was always straddling that line between Hyman to be like Jung the mystic and hair doctor young Mm -hmm. so he would never out and out say it but when he he would definitely be one of those people that'd be like yes (laughs) there is something else i don't understand what it is but we have to work with this other this other aspect that is outside of us that there is bigger than us whether i call it the creative the collective unconscious or not whatever it is we have to acknowledge it and we can move on from there we'll just be healthier for it now of course uh, folks like Freud, who Freud actually gets a big kicking from people because he wasn't as like anti-occult as as people make it out. His, I believe, his paper that got him his PhD was about telepathy. Like it's so. Hmm. If, Freud is not, and this is what people don't realize. Freud was not as anti-occult as a lot of people make him out to be. He also he was just kind of like the Cole's notes summary of of. Freud and the occult is that he he thought it was something, but then he just wanted to concentrate more on um, the more mental aspects of it that he just kind of was like, I have to choose one or the other. Right. I'm going to choose this. And then so that was where the dividing point between him and Jung ca- uh, came. But um, so that's basically what what I think is uh, to get back to, to, to Jung for the most part. It's just Jung understood there's something else. He doesn't know what it is. He's he's put models on it that a lot of them he created, which is in modern, which is in common parlance to this day. Things like archetypes and the collective unconscious, like people are still using those words and not even in a way that I think a lot of uh, or that Jung would understand or that he would agree with. But we we have to we have to acknowledge just the massive influence that Jung has within contemporary modern parlance like we we use these words all the time and uh, that that is a really striking thing so young he's always one of those guys that i like to come back to you know like as i said memories dreams reflections it's just such a it's such a joy of a of a book despite some of the uh, other sections but um, yeah, I, I like Young as the person, as flawed as he is. Um, a lot of these figures, I enjoy them and their journey uh, as much as the things that they're trying to teach us. But yeah, Young is—he's a special dude. Um, He's—he's he's not my favorite. I really don't think I have a favorite, but he's—he's he's such an interesting thinker, and, and his his life story is is a very fascinating one. Yeah, yeah, Jung, He was kind of my introduction to these things because I started with philosophy um and then i got into things like um like victor frankel so i i I had like a psychology uh philosophy backbone and then jung was the uh the the thing that really it, it it was the only bridge i had ever seen between 
like the 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 hard nosed and the ethereal and that uh it just blew the lid off for me and um you know i think it's 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 always important to emphasize the datedness of these things you know and we'll bring up manly p hall next which uh yeah, he plays another role in the dated conversation but the thing that i always really loved about these two in particular uh Jung and hall is their mindset like you, you talked about in your episode like the writing that manly p hall had and like these men they just had their approach to it and their the the mindsets that they carved out um were the things that stuck with me the most and um yeah you go back and look at some of these things and you see like i i guess the point being i always read these two guys as something more philosophy than than anything so concrete there there definitely are some concrete takeaways from it but i think um that's kind of where people get tripped up in like truth and all these things um rarely is is anyone gonna get everything right so you read and you you know you separate the wheat from the chaff you're gonna have to do that with anybody's work and uh um but yeah jung because of his mindset and the things he did um is is always gonna have a special place in my heart this thing on okay please edit this out for me um but uh my name is steve buscemi formerly known as uh jefferson tillamook slinger as many of you know i am a big fan of the highlander movies and television show but many of you may not know how confusing and fucking stupid that the uh that the whole uh, storyline is and I'm here to tell you as a public service announcement to all them them youngins out there that don't understand the Highlander franchise it's okay you're not alone and if it makes you feel any better basically the director's cut of the first movie and the TV show are the only things you really need to pay attention to everything else is just retconned bullshit and uh it's a mockery um so just forget about you know the second and third movies and all those sci-fi channel movies it was all not good um it just served to confuse people and even the people involved with those projects have pretty much said don't think of those as an official story so don't worry maybe you can rest easy at night 
But the fact of the matter is, the Highlander series might be perhaps the biggest botch in all of nerd culture history. Um, uh, next to things like uh, the movie Jumper with Hayden Christensen. Could have been great, was not very great. Also, uh, Die Hard was a Christmas movie, and I am a classy movie critic. <coughs> oh, God. Consciousness. Bloody infinite potential. Peering into the mind of the gods. Wanking off a dolphin. Hello everybody, it's your good old friend Silverback Commando, um, studier of a uh, NASA funded scientist and uh, dolphin wanker extraordinaire uh, John Lilly. Um, a true story, you can look it up for yourself if you like to, and uh, I'm just here to share with some of you uh, the wisdom from my notebook. Alright, I got a lot of good uh, bits and pieces of poetry and um, uh, philosophical knowledge, if you will. And I'd like to share some of it with you. Death quiets universal bliss. Culture shapes formless destiny. Non-judgment expresses intricate timelessness. Oh, I like this one. It's very poetic. Perceptual reality uh, corresponds to precious chaos. Indeed. Experiential truth is rooted in cosmic abstract beauty. Indeed, indeed. Our consciousness serves visible choices. And, uh, so true, mate. And I'll end it on this one. This is my favorite. Good health is the womb of dimensionless knowledge. Indeed, um, you know, I bloody hope you learned a thing or two. Reading from me notebook here. No, I appreciate. I sure do appreciate you having a bit of a, of a meditation with me. It's been a good old time. Uh, take it easy, everybody. It's been uh, your silverback commando, and uh, don't forget that. Um, matter unfolds into personal genes. Don't forget it. Salutations, Protendo. It is I, Muscle Tornado. And as always, I just finished polishing off a sweet, sweet bowl of dimethyltryptamine. And uh, before that, I just finished watching uh, the new Fast and Furious movie. Uh, well, let me tell you, I was astonished to find how much sacred geometry and um, important esoteric symbols were found throughout the Fast and Furious movies, Broham. Uh, so listen to me when I tell you that um, I'm extremely convinced now that uh, Vin Diesel is the true shepherd of the Aeon of Horus. You see, um, the Aeon of Horus is all about finding one's true will, and I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Pitch Black, um, but it's pretty cool, and uh, Vin Diesel 
You can't see in the light. It's crazy. So, go see Pitch Black, dude. Um, and then go see uh, the new Fast and Furious movie and learn, um, go to YouTube and learn how to do gematria, you know, uh, uh, ancient numerology. And uh, we'll, uh, it, it'll, it, all of this will make perfect sense. Uh, this has been Muscle Tornado, over and out. So let's talk about Manly P. Hall a little bit. And since we've uh, we've sort of done a little bit of legwork, let's talk about the secret teachings real quick and some of the. Uh, we don't have to do it real quick because this might <laughs> this might uh, dovetail into some other stuff here. But what is um what are the implications that we have today? Like, what has Manly P. Hall left us with, and what are the things that uh that you would like to emphasize to people are extremely dated about it because before I volley it over to you I've mentioned him enough like if you don't know who Manly P. Hall is we'll explain it a little more as we talk but he's uh, uh an occult philosopher you know was a, eventually became a uh, an honorary 33rd uh, degree Freemason very influential dude wrote the book The Secret Teachings of All Ages which is a true uh, occult monolith uh, today. So, uh, Doug, I'd like to I'd like to hear you pick this apart a little bit, my friend. So, I, I want to let's tie the two together. Let's tie Young to Manly Palmer Hall uh, because Manly actually has this wonderful uh, lecture. If you can look, you can find it on YouTube where he actually talks about uh, Young Young's ideas about UFOs, which is it's it's such a crazy like you if if people can find it, it's it's really wonderful to listen to. But I think these people, and when I say these people, what I mean is like the people that I I tend to talk about a lot on my show, for the most part, particularly those that are that are writers. The one thing that I think is the most wonderful and redeemable quality about them is their curiosity. In, mm-hmm. in just in everything. And when you approach people like, um, and this, of course, people can pick this apart if they, if they so desire, but with somebody like, like Freud, Freud was very sure he had a level of certainty, certitude about everything and a certainty that this was what everything was down to was just this, his ideas. That was it. I've explained it. Whereas young was more like, I don't know what this is. I don't know what this is. Manly Palmer right. Hall is kind of the same in the same regard. The man was just curious about everything. His work is a testament to that. And while a lot of us can read things like, particularly to this day, and it drives me insane. And that's why I, I did an episode about it, that the secret teachings of all ages is like the tome of, of occult philosophy. It's not. When you, when you go through, if you're going to take Manly Palmer Hall, take that book and take all the rest of the things that he wrote, because he wrote a ton. He was constantly lecturing. And what you will mm-hmm. see is that he was constantly evolving his ideas and right. a lot of the things. And so as much of a monolith as Secret Teachings of All Ages is, it's not the end point of 
what Manley's work was, he remained curious throughout his life. And so a lot of people, what they do is they cherry pick. Um, what's interesting about the secret teachings of all ages is, is very influenced by theosophy as well and, and by Freemasonry. So Manley's just trying to sneak those in in as many places as possible and things like Atlantis, which I mean, Atlantis is real in the in the sense that it's a real concept and it's a real thing. So, um, but as far as like trying to find the, in <laughs> in the middle of the ocean kind of thing, I'm not I'm not huge into that. And, and Manly Agreed. does go pretty deep on that kind of stuff. And so I kind of introduce a, the idea that Manly is one of the one of the major sources wherein things like um, the New Age gets involved in, in a cult. And I've got nothing against the New Age, um, just uh, apart from some really spurious history. Um, the new age is, is totally fine. It's just being able to recognize where it is when it, when it pops up. But for the most part, what I would say about guys like Jung and Manly Palmer Hall is to realize that while they do produce these monoliths, as, as, as you, as you mentioned, that that's not where their work ends. They're constantly, they're, they're curious people and they constantly change their opinions and they constantly change their understandings. So I wasn't expecting to like Manly as much as I did. Um, the only thing I knew about Manly up until I did my episode was a couple of his lectures and uh, the secret teachings. And that's about it. And then when I started, which was a wonderful thing, thing one of the, the best thing about my podcast is how much learning I do. And I'm sorry that that's not more of a, um, a boon for the people that listen to my show, or maybe it is, <laughs> but I learned so much about these figures and there's guys like Manly Palmer Hall who I was expecting just to be like, kind of like a boring tweedy old man. He was actually, he's a very fascinating character who kind of came to a really tragic end. And I know, I know I read, there's a little bit about that in, in Mitch Horowitz's book, um, Occult America, but I didn't realize like the level, like he was found dead with bugs crawling in and out of his eyes and his ears. Like just it's savage. Really, yeah. 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 And like it really sad. And he'd given some, somebody basically manipulated him towards the last, uh, the last um, couple of years of his life, which is mm-hmm. was really, really tragic. But the dude himself, very interesting, very, very cool guy, very not secretive, very private man. And I think private in in the sense, not so that he had anything to hide. It was just more of like he wanted to let his work speak for itself. And that's something that even after I did that episode is like that I admire very much, Um, particularly as I see a lot of um, social media wanting to be more personalized. And it's social media now wants us to put even more of ourselves uh, online. I'm backing away from that. Like I, I understand what Manley's trying to say here as far as the way that he lives, because we're trafficking in stuff that is occulted, which is, which is esoteric. And it's esoteric for a reason. And for the reasons that you talked about earlier, Anthony, it's just that um, it's, it, it will never be accepted as the mainstream. And that's, what's lovely about it, but that's also kind of like, the game that you have to play. It's, 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 it's the tune that's being played and how you dance that jig is, is up to you. But I think Manly figured it out by being like, this is my studies and this is the things that I'm curious about. And I'll share all of that, but I'm going to back off a little bit about my personal life. Um, and, and unfortunately it didn't, it didn't end so well for him, but um, to, to go back to the way that I started this, this small mini rant, I admire the fact that these guys are not, they do not have, 
an official line that they have to tow and they expect you to buy it. They're curious and they're ever changing and it's really beautiful. And there's even if you read some interviews, Joseph Campbell had a wonderful interview with, uh, with young towards the end of his life. Cause they, they met a couple of t- met once or twice. I forget. And there's another, another figure who's a bit of a, a conflict figure as well, but, yeah. <laughs> but they, they are never locked down in the things that, that they believe they their, their work constantly changes. And yes, you can say the same thing about Freud to an extent, but um, I think that a lot of these figures and even, even young to some respect is the people that come after them that try to get other people to, to cotton onto these major, these are the points of their work. This is the thing that you have to, and right. et cetera, et cetera. They themselves would just kind of be like, that's not, you, you guys haven't grasped what we were trying to get at. We're, 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 we're constant seekers. That's the admirable thing about what we're trying to tell people is to constantly seek, to never just sit and be still with any kind of thought, to, to constantly try to learn and, and stay curious. So it's, it's, it's the most admirable thing about, about these people. And that goes through people like Robert Anton Wilson and, and a lot of people that I've, I've covered in my podcast. Um, to a lesser extent, to Eliphas Levy, I think towards the end, he just kind of like gave up. Um, but, <laughs> but that might be more lifestyle based than anything. But uh, no, I think I think the figures that I'm really, really attracted to are ones who remain curious. So yeah, if people are interested in Manly, maybe have a listen to my episode first. Uh, but Secret Teachers of All Ages, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a hell of a book. I don't agree with a lot of it, but man, it's a, it's a great read. It's a fun read. That's yes, also, yeah. if you're not having fun, if you're involved with magic, you're not doing it right. Like there's a lot of people that want to be all dark and spooky and stuff like that, man, life's too short to take seriously. It really is like it's, this, this stuff has to be fun. Yeah. Um, a couple cherries on top, um, th- that I, that I remembered while you were talking, um, Jung, at the end of his life, he gave an interview with the BBC to kind of encapsulate where he was at the end of it. And when he was asked, like, whether or not I believe in God, he said, I don't right. even believe I know. I, I know. know. That's right. <laughs> and he said it, it. It's so beautiful that they got like an actual in-person footage interview because you could see his face and he's just got that that elderly, like end of your life calm. And he seems so, so not like pleased, but content with that feeling yeah. that he has. And it seems very, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, but um, also it's been a long time since I looked into this. So I don't remember a date or anything, but as I remember it, uh, Manly P hall actually let Jung read from his library while um, researching for the psychology of alchemy, I believe. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I think they did have some, a cursory interaction in person and then because i actually have heard that uh that lecture that he gave about ufos where he mentioned yeah as well so there is some overlap okay which is very cool um and i didn't uh yeah it took me a while to uh to stumble across that but um so let's talk about magical practice a little bit because i think we can segue this uh, the secret teachings of all ages um it, it provides good ground to separate you know, some of the, the dated stuff from just what you consider magic. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's boilerplate stuff that it, it is still a part of the mix, you know, like lodge magic type stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not, a lot of people have this conception that that's what magic is. And that's uh, very uninformed. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to just let you run away with that. And um 
um yeah just tell us uh separate the the fact from fiction here my friend so what happens in let's take this on the journey of say people who have never heard about magic and they're listening to this episode or they know very little about it and we've we've already talked about secret teachings of all ages so there is a there's a chapter about magic in that book, but it's it's literally pretty much all pulled from one source. And that's a guy by the name of Eliphas Levi, uh, Eliphas Libby. His name was Louis Alphonse, or no, uh, oh, uh, Louis Alphonse Constant. He changed his name uh, to sound more Jewish and therefore more mysterious. <laughs> um, and there's a I lot. That's, that's, that. a, that's a thing that occurs in the through the occult to this day. And yeah, it's got some, it's, it's a little bit, it's not nefarious in the sense that it's anti-Semitic, but there's this idea that if it comes from, if it comes from the Jews or from Hebrew, Hebrew, it's somewhat more mysterious. And, and that's something you still encounter to this day. And it's, it's a little bit tiresome. The, the, mm-hmm. Like Jewish magic is, I have an episode about it. It's way cooler than that. Like it's, it's really interesting and really beautiful and it's long mm-hmm. tenured. It's, it's really quite wonderful. But um, so if you're going to read secret teachings of all ages, the little bit of magic in there. So that's basically um, from one dude by the name a Frenchman uh, mid 19th century. It's all about elements like, and that there's directionality to the elements and things like that. And by when I talk about elements, I'm talking about earth, air, water, and fire, that kind of thing. So when, when you read this book and you're like, oh, this is magic. Um, that is a very specific kind of uh, Western-based magic that um, came from m- not just um, Eliphas Levy, who had some very interesting things to say. He he was trying to basically say that there's this somewhat unbroken line of, of natural philosophy that has existed since the Egyptian priests who were the most magical. And then it, then uh, small cultures throughout time took bits of it. The Jews took bits of it here and, and uh, the Arabs took bits of it here. So it's very, very kind of like 19th century. I'm just going to say that, but uh, other magical orders took a lot of what he had to say, blended it with another just a monolith is a book called the the three books of occult philosophy by um, Cornelius Agrippa. He was this kind of crazy soldier spy in the uh, in the fifteenth uh, century, fifteenth sixteenth century, I believe. Anyways, wrote this three volume book, and that's really wonderful. It's kind of like where it is, in my opinion, the most influential book about magic ever written. So much stuff comes from it, but. What, ha- what one has to realize is that this is a very specific European style of, of magic. And magic, I'll just tell people right now, when you go into a bookstore and you look for books uh, on magic, the first thing you're going to see is there's, there's books about Celts and there's books about runes and there's books about this kind of stuff. And then there's the books about Golden Dawn. So uh, you're initially going to be like, oh, magic. And then you say, oh, there's runes, but I'm going to get into the other magic, the, the real magic. And so you'll find the Golden Dawn, uh, Alistair Crowley, who's kind of taking from lodge magic and stuff like that. Um, but that is a very specific kind of magic. That is not magic entirely in the West. And what my show has been trying to show people is because that kind of magic is well accounted for. Yeah. Pretty much pretty much 85% of the magical podcasts out there are going to be talking about this kind of magic. And I've got nothing against it. I find it a little boring. I used to, da- I used to call myself a Thelemite and the golden Dawn magician and, and the chaos magician and everything. And um, I've kind of come around to calling myself a chaos magician a little bit before, but um, that's just one style of magic. 
And it's an interesting one. And it's cool. It's fairly rudimentary. It's got like steps to it, which kind of fits in with the materialist mindset that a lot of people um, are. We're, we're not born with it because I would argue that we're born with a more animist um, based normative consciousness when we're, but that gets hammered out of us by the time we get into grade school. Anyways, that's a discussion for a whole other time. But this lodge based magic, it kind of has like a scholastic aspect to it which people really really like they enjoy that so they're just like oh i need to learn the elements i need to learn about correspondences and then i know all about sympathetic magic and i can do magic and you can you can if you use these tools you can do a variety of magic but it's not everything to do with magic and and here's where i hope uh some people don't get turned off magic in general and, and through my studies of looking at not like the true in air quotes western magical tradition but from what i can see most magic for for the most part from what we can understand it levy got one thing right in that a lot of it does come from egypt for the most part it probably came from hellenized uh alexandria and then later moved through byzantium and then over to europe with other influences that it picked up along the mediterranean uh and and certain areas uh the the uh, the eastern mediterranean is that a lot of it has to do with spirit interaction. By spirit interaction, I mean like things like um, uh, angels and things that we are now going to call demons. And so a lot of it is trying to uh, ask them for favors. And, and, and this gets briefly covered in things like lodge-based magic. And yes, there are ways, particularly with trying to find things like a holy guardian angel and stuff like that. Uh, but again, that is just one specific kind of magic. Um, for the most part, from what I can see, the Western magic tradition is more literary than anything else. And that is based on these things called grimoires. And these are your garden variety books that um, that have spells in them. It's just like it's just like the movies. The movies also got one thing right in that there are actual books of magic written by working magicians that uh, we think a lot of, some of them were definitely written to just look cool. Like and no shade, no shade. Cause a lot of the people that would copy these things that that's, they do look wicked and they mm-hmm. are conversation pieces, but with some of them, we know that they were working books of magic. So the Western magical tradition, besides just this lodge based system, a lot of it had to do with creating implements and tools to be able to interact with spiritual entities. Right. And that's just not that wayward psychology. Um, that is actual trying to contact spirits or angels, which is very interesting. And so I guess this has been another rant and I'm sorry, Anthony, but uh, my show has been trying to like, be like, okay, there's, there's, there's this stuff that is all well and good, but there's other traditions that are really cool. And there's this other stuff that doesn't seem so much like a 19th century um, ad campaign for a specific kind of magic, which from the outset looks more to my eyes, more philosophical than anything. I think, yeah. I think people, people like this idea of being able to like just conceptualize the elements and, and correspondences. And then they call themselves a magician, which I'm fine with again, a cult philosopher, whatever you want to be. Um, but I do think that there is some uh, boots on the ground, really actually trying to conjure spirits and angels and demons and things like that. And sometimes it does get scary. And I know, I, I know you had Eric Millar on the show. I know you had Keats on the show, but I'm here to tell you like this, I consider this stuff very real. This stuff is real to me. Um, it does get scary, but it's also really amazing. And you learn a lot about yourself. Uh, yeah. A lot of the, a lot of the lodge based magic, they, they, 
they want you to contact your holy guardian angel. They want you to become like a higher, a lot of people get into magic because they want to like know their true self and stuff like that. And I tell people, you know, that's all well and good if that's what you want to go for. But I learn more about myself through like mistakes and strife and um, getting things wrong and getting things sometimes terrifyingly right. That's where my self-actualization comes from, is from, from doing this kind of stuff. So it's not like the self-actualization is a byproduct of doing the magic. It's not the point of the magic itself. So yeah. that's my sales pitch for people to try and do magic. It's, it's, it's much more nuanced. It's got, a, it's got a, a crazy history. A lot of it has to do with magic books, but it also doesn't need to be. Again, there's things like Espiritismo, Lucumi Santeria, Haitian uh, Voodoo. Like this is, I consider this all Western magic and it's much more cool than, um, than it's as cool but even more so cooler than the things you're going to find in your, your local new age occultic bookshop. And, and I love it. It's been my life since I was, since I was 21 and every, it, it just makes me excited. And I, I hope that my show and my enthusiasm is palpable for people because I think when we get down to it, um, I think a lot of us realize like young did that there is something else. Yeah. And while you have one side telling us that there's nothing and then the other side telling you that there's this, this one God or this one thing and it's just religion, there, there's this other aspect that, that exists on a spectrum. And there's this other aspect that's it's just about knowing that there is something else than what we're being told. And to try and seek for that is, is, is a noble and a great thing. Very well said. Uh, and I think uh, an excellent pitch for magic. I, um, I've heard you mention some of these things. Um, about why you got into magic. I, I certainly don't know all of your inspiration, but it seems to have been coupled with, you know, like you, uh, you quit drinking and, and things like that. And um, it, with, with, uh, with some of that self-actualization and the word I always use is, is just simply catharsis. Like that's, that's largely why I got into these things uh, because I saw you know, because actualization, a sort of like transcendence, that's all, you know, part of it, the the big picture. But for me, it was always, you know, in the beginning, my inspiration and still the thing that drives me. I saw people living, you know, at, at my worst, I saw people living relatively normal lives and I was just very broken. And I thought, well, like, you know, how other people are doing it. Like there has to be a way that I can just get back to the baseline of just right. where I can feel that catharsis and that release. And, and, and what I mean by some of that is some of the most impactful magic I've done is some of the stuff that has, you know, brought, uh, you know, just brought me into full weeping, you know, just full, um, surrender and grace and humility uh, of being able to understand, you know, because there are, and I, this is a segue because I want to hear your talk about, uh, uh, pick your brain about spirits more um, because I have, I've worked with that as well, but some of the, the most impactful magic for me has been that sort of, I guess, peek behind the veil of yourself and the, uh, that sort of, the Faustian recognition, you know, of, uh, of the, the many layers, the multiplicity of your, uh, of your habits and the, the, the things that got you here. Um, because only, you know, and I guess in that Buddhist sense as well, there's that, that, that whole idea of uprooting the, the suffering and the, uh, the ailments so that 
once you finally understand them, they lose their power. So I want to I want to hear a little bit about how magic has helped you, like as much detail as you would like to get into personally. What you know, how has it helped you? What of the things? What are the things that um that you would consider like cathartic about it? And then also at any time you'd like to get into it, I want to hear more of your practice about communication. Sure. So let's start with something that I think a lot of people can identify with. I think a vast majority of us, um, whether they'd admit it or not, feel somewhat alienated with the world that we live in right now. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us feel like we don't belong. And, And while we can just sit here and nod or watch TV and have uh, people tell us that it's because of this reason or that reason, or it's because you don't feel like you're motivated or you don't have any goals. You don't, you don't set goals for yourself. I think it's, I think there's a deep rooted, um, a deep rooted loneliness that has been instilled into us via an epistemology, which seeks that it's only real concrete material things that matter. And by that, I mean, epistemology is the idea of like, how does one arrive at knowledge? And for us now, what we have is a system across the Western world, wherein it's only data, statistics, uh, the scientific method, and those things that are considered real. And yet we live our lives as emotional beings. And I'm not just saying spiritual beings because that's a thing as well. But I'm going to talk to level. I want to level with people who don't who who rarely know anything about magic. That's, this is not their their wheelhouse. Your emotions aren't rational, and yet we're trying to consider everything that we do around us as being rational. No wonder we feel so lost all the time. So I can only speak for myself. My life when I was younger, and I'm I'm really hope that I I'm not making it sound like I'm looking back with rose colored glasses, but my life when I was younger was very interesting. I do think that we we start off our lives with animism being a normative consciousness. And what what animism means, and while a lot of academics really dislike this term, I like because it's got a little bit of um it's got a little bit of um edge to it is this idea that everything around you is alive, that everything has spirit in some way. If that sounds very familiar with a lot of um, indigenous and first nations cultures around the world, it's the, yes, it is. But I think that we start out this way. Yes. Your, your, um, your sister's child who's only four years old has imaginary friends, but they'll outgrow it and stuff like that. Well, I think we all had these kind of things. And I can speak for myself. I lived in a very rich world, a very rich imaginative world. Um, and I, I truly thought that everything that was around me was alive. And I truly thought that um, that spirits were real. And, and I just went through a, a series of episodes where I did about six episodes or seven episodes on fairies and stuff like that. And it helped me kind of like recontextualize that I had a, I had a fairy experience when I was younger. Um, I called it a goblin, but it was, it was a, it was a fairy. Um, and it was, I would, I would, I would leave out things for it and stuff like that. Like it, I, I didn't, I never really talked to it, but I could see it sometimes. Like it was, it's very odd. Um, but this was normative to me. And as I got older, um, whether through just what I was being taught at school or the people I was interacting with, and it wasn't just being told that Santa Claus wasn't real. Um, I noticed that these things started to fall away and, and I became mentally unwell. And 
it's not the only thing. That's a big message of my show is that it's never only one thing with anything, but it is a major reason I think for my unhappiness was just this idea that everything is dead inert matter and um, everything has to be rationalized. And it's only this, this real concrete material way of, of being, which is, is important. And so I kind of went through my teens being very deeply upset. Um, I was depressed. Um, I couldn't imagine things anymore. Imagine because the term imagination didn't exist to me when I was younger. It wasn't until I was, you know, like nine, 10, 11 years old that I learned that, oh, these things, that's just imagination. And it's just imagination being right. like seeing that it's that's degraded um, thought processes. So magic for me, when I started to to discover it, and truthfully, I I kind of considered like there was the forebearers of of the magical proclivities in my life, things like reading Colin Wilson books when I was younger, those like um, mysteries of the unknown, those black books that were released by Time Warner. Um, I found the work of Charles Fort very early on in my life. I didn't understand what the hell he was talking about, but uh, <laughs> I just liked the book because the word damn was in the title. The book of the damned was in the, but I would read, I would get this book out of the library over and over again. I try to read it and I had no idea what he was talking about because it's a very strange book. Yeah. Um, but but these kind of, were kind of the forebears, and then I got into grade eleven, and a teacher who was a very spiritual man. Um, my school was not; it was a very secular school. But he was a very spiritual man. He was the I'll say his name. Uh, no, I won't say his name. But he, he, the dude was six foot six, a horse farmer, loved Shakespeare, but also very deeply spiritual. And I think he saw um, kindred spirit within me because uh, we were reading a novel called Fifth Business. And they bring up, um, he brings up Carl Jung in that book. And so this teacher was like, Doug, you need to look into Carl Jung. And so in grade 11 was that Carl Jung is kind of like the first where the worm starts to turn. And it's not until I get introduced to uh, Grant Morrison that it's like, okay, so there's this other thing called magic. But with, with my introduction to Carl Jung and then later conceptualizations and re-engagement re with guys like Colin Wilson, who did write about magic in a book called The Occult, um, is that I, I found again a way of operating in the world that spoke more towards me. And I noticed that my mental health would get a little bit better. Now, I was also still struggling with, um, with things like addiction uh, because I was an alcoholic. And a lot of my, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not laying my alcoholism on the, at the feet of guys like Aleister Crowley, but, you know, I, I quit drinking when I was in my, uh, my mid 30s. Uh, a lot of this kind of like, particularly the Crowley, it's like, do every kind of drug and stuff like that. And it's your <laughs> will and stuff. So I was still kind of like, hang on to it. Be like, yeah, my drinking's just kind of who I am. But um, <laughs> but I noticed that there was this real moment where like, it was like, I, it had to be one or the other. Mm -hmm. And and I didn't make my decision solely on this. I had either magic or alcohol. That that's I don't want people to get that idea. But um, I find with magic that it is a way of, of providing clarity to a form of consciousness and understanding the world that is much more conducive to myself. I I've mentioned on other podcasts, but I have, I've got friends who are fundamental materialists who struggle with everything, but they come to and talk to me. And a lot of them say, Doug, you're the most normal, well-rounded person in my life. And it's, and it's because I, again, I don't want people to think that it's like it's it's one way or the other. This whole binary thinking thing is not cool. But mm -hmm. uh, I found something that works for me, and this is the way that I try to understand by seeing the life 
and how alive everything is and that there is spirit imbued. I'm not just talking about like this, like quote unquote spirit. I think that there is something called spirit. I think mm-hmm. there can be, it can be communicated with and it can be communed with. And these things are, uh, you, you actually can't have that, that that is, um, that is much more healthy for me. And it is a better way of interpreting, interpreting the world. And I do start to see a lot of people within academia, not just academia, but in other places, some people are still hanging on to this idea of quantum physics and stuff like that. But there, we, we, that whole recognition that Jung had, people are starting to go like, oh, this, this materialism is not working for us. I just want to quickly bring in that I did, a, I did an episode about materialism uh, and just like the idea that matter is all that matters. But me trying to – we, we get inundated with people like Neil deGrasse Tyson and James Randi and mm-hmm. – uh, What's that? Uh, what's that motherfucker's name? Dawkins. Dawkins. Oh, Richard Dawkins. Yeah, yeah. Kitchens and stuff like that. That mm. they, they they all say it's only matter. Like we should only don't even look at philosophy and stuff like that. But here's the thing: I did an episode of materialism. It is so hard to find books by people sticking up for materialism. Basically, everybody to this day is like, "Meh, it sucks, but it's all we've got, so we're just going with it." But very few people wow. stick up. In this, so I do really do think that the worm is starting to turn, and I've used that expression already, but I'll just, uh, just uh, stay with it. But I do think that we are really starting to see that the ways in which it's it's my story played out on a grand scale is that the way in which we are operating in the world is not healthy. It's not healthy for the planet. It is not healthy for our psych, psych uh, psyches. It is not healthy in general, and we're trying to find different ways. And so. Um, Magic works for me. I'm not saying it works for you. Other people can find whether this idea of, because your podcast is called Black Hoodie Alchemy. This mm. idea of spiritual alchemy is, is one that's very, very important. And it's a very interesting free thinking thing. That's admirable as well. If that works for you, wonderful. Magic just worked for me. Seeing things that are alive works for me. Um, and as far as, as, as communication, um, because that was the other part of your question. Mm-hmm. There's different means of communication. And I, I think... A lot of people, because it's it's all we have right now, that they think that communication has to occur within the the same realms, the realm in which we get most of our information. And that is sensory, right? For the most part, that's that's our ears, eyes, um, taste, touch, that kind of thing. We have way more than five senses, by the way. Like you know, yeah. pushes you got a sense of balance as well. Uh, but but for the most part, communication that's if if, if it's not registered by one of these things, then um, it's not considered true, true uh, communication. It's not considered real data, but um, actual sensory communication through things like spirits and stuff like that is very possible. And and magic is just one way of of doing these these kind of um, uh, this kind of communication with what I would say call like either spirits and stuff like that. It happens differently. So. Um, when people get into magic, if, if everything I've pitched to you so far seems like, whoa, I want to try this. I want to talk with demons and I want to talk with angels and stuff like that. Cool. Get involved. There's no one book that's going to tell you how to do this. Like it's, it's, there's no one book that's like, if you do these things, and there's a few people that are trying to like sell these kind of books to you. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, read them again, see what pasta sticks to the wall. Some of it, just give it a shot and other things, but there's no one book for you for how magic works. And that's another thing that I think my podcast is really trying to tell people. There's no one book. Um, it's really about finding your, your own way, just like it is about life. I, life is inherently magical. Therefore, your magic is going to be very idiosyncratic to your mm-hmm. life. Um, but as far as communications, yeah, I've, 
what do I consider a communication from something outside of myself? It's uh, for it, it varies depending on what kind of rituals I'm doing for the most part. Um, I'm having a rough time with my pod. My co- podcast is on a bit of a hiatus right now. And I, I kind of just had to, um, I'm not, I hope, I, I hope this doesn't sound rough. I had, I've had like two guests cancel like the day of recording and it's just been like, things have been rough. And so, um, I haven't been feeling very magically effective recently. So I just kind of like, I just take some time every once in a while. And it's just like, okay, I need to just sit with my ancestors for a little bit. And I know that sounds like really wishy-washy and that sounds very new agey for people. But I, I, as I said, a lot of my magic comes from more necromantic notions. I, I talk and ask for communications from and influences from um, my dead family. Uh, and so I've, I've just been sitting the last couple of days. It's just like an ongoing process. Now, how do I consider communications? Because there's a lot of things that are coming to me that seem a little bit more uh, in my face. And I read that as, as a form of communication. It's just like when the coincidences become, and coincidences and synchronicities become a bit too on the nose for me to just be like, that's just coincidence. When the messages get like really, really loud and by messages, what constitutes a message? That's it's, I, I don't really know. I can't tell you, uh, but that's kind of when when it just feels a little bit too prescient for it to not be anything else. Um, that's one way that I that I perceive uh, communications. But as far as like seeing spirits, I have. Can I do it at will? No. Um, a lot of my spirit communication, particularly from outside sources and stuff like that, is more audible than anything else. Um, I will preface this by all or um, <laughs> um, retroactively. Pro, uh, uh, preface it by saying <laughs> I did I did actually have to book myself into a um, into a psych ward for hearing voices at one period of my life it wasn't a good period of my life so like it's, it's one of those things where I'm, I'm cognizant of that there might be a history of this kind of thing but I, I do receive um, auditory um, messages and uh, communication sometimes can I do it all the time no um, if magic was a science um, then it would be taught in schools and it would just be another boring thing. But luckily for me, it's not. And luckily for the fact that I have a podcast and a show that I make a living off of, um, it's, it's not. So uh, I guess to, to just wrap up this whole, um, this whole uh, question of yours, um, magic, magic became a way for me to navigate not only my own mental health, but just a way that seems far more conducive for me to navigate, to, to interact with this world and with my emotions. And it's fun for me. Weird shit does happen. And um, I actively seek out these kind of spirit interactions. That's, that's what I do as magic is it's, it's the whole that whole self-enlightenment and self-actualization stuff, that's secondary to just kind of do the stuff and have fun with it, truthfully. Yeah. And, uh, and it is beautiful. Fun. Beautiful. Um, I appreciate you opening up there because that's something that, you know, there's never any pressure, but that's something I always try and ask a guest because that's something I'm really fascinated with it. And that's something I try and open up about uh, because you know, you hear the uh, the tropes of like people getting into these kinds of things for for love or money or or power or like even just to do cool tricks. You know, maybe it's not even uh, nefarious, but it's not. Well, helpful. here's the thing. I'm just going to jump on that. Those things, love, sex, power, 
Those are the things that magic has been used for from the beginning of time. True. Not to demonize that is, those and, things either. There's, yeah. there's, there's no way around that. That's true. With, <laughs> with my, with my, uh, with my show and my episodes, it'd be like, that's cool. As long as you're honest with yourself, right? right as right. long as you're honest with yourself, yes. that's the most important thing. So, sorry, well, so, sorry yeah. to, to interrupt. No, that's a great emphasis because yeah, like you can get into it for, for different things, but honesty is crucial because if you're not if you don't if you're not able to be honest with yourself um about your own actions then um other things are going to start taking advantage of you um in your magical practices more than likely or if not that you're just going to self-implode at some point (laughs) um but yeah so um very uh i i appreciate the poignancy there's um and and I completely agree. Like I feel comfortable, I guess, because it's just my roots, you know, like we said at the beginning, like philosophy and things, but um, you and I are definitely very much on the same page. Whenever I use psychological terms, I'm, I'm always quick to emphasize that I don't think, cause I like, you know, I, I I'm fascinated by like memetics, you know, and like yeah. uh, Richard Dawkins, you know, started, but uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess, streamline that he created it but dawkins is so tiresome and played out and like he he made a contribution though like here's the thing is that i'm not saying that these guys are bad like right they make a contribution but it's just that they they are confusing their way of seeing the world and it does have scientific it does have scientific validity to it so it's got a bit of currency to it particularly with our current understandings but it is not the whole story. No, right? it's not the end all be all at all. Yeah. 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 Um, so it's just being able to see the small things. And that's just like, it's part of the story. It's not the whole story. Right. Yeah. Like science, I look at science. Sure. It has um, a nice tangibility to it with the empiricism, which is a double-edged sword that we've already yeah. touched on, but um, it's just another philosophy, really. Like even for all your empiricism and everything else, it's not, um, there it's not any more truthful than anything else there's there, there's so many you know it's that it's also that eastern mentality i feel like where the more you try and acquiesce something the more you just sort of lose the threads of it from the larger picture and and then at that point how much knowledge have you really gained if it's out of context right but, um yeah <laughs> um we, science is great it's wonderful i i tend to agree with um, and this is something that, again, if, if, if it interests people, please listen to my podcast about it. But Charles Ford, he just, he just said, like, there's, there's ways in which we understand the world that become what he calls dominance. And so the dominant way in which we're understanding the world right now is through science. And it's done wonders. Like, it's, it's amazing. If you're an occultist and you don't give validity to the scientific method as well as all that is around us, then my God, like, I don't think you're doing it right. <laughs> but it's just a it's it's it, it, there is a religiosity that occurs and there's these deep ruts that occur within human beings themselves and this idea now that we have that religion is is basically like a science or, or sorry that science is basically a religion now that that kind of needs to go so we've got this dominant that Fort Charles Fort talks about and then this this is and here's the thing that's that people have a hard time wrapping their brain around but that's going to that's going to end it's not going to like end entirely but it's just like that way of operating the world is is going to start to fade away because there's it, it can't account for all varieties of human experience as i said like um we're we're approaching a point where 
our our emotions and whether whether this be i forget who it was that said it but he's it's like there, there is going to be like an end point. I don't want to be a catastrophist in any way. I do think life is, is getting good and getting better, but you know, we have this, the science accounts for one aspect of how we want to grasp the world, but there's these other things that are far more human that we've lost touch of that I think are going to start to come back and we can see inklings of it. And I am, you know, one of the harbingers of that. Uh, sorry. And you're welcome, everybody. But <laughs> there, there is this, this, this other aspect of us that truly wants to feel reconnected to, to spirit, to the world, to the planet, to other people that, that right now is being completely squashed by this, this rationalist reductionist way of, of operating. And so Charles Fort's right. There's going to be something else that comes after this. And then there's going to be something after that one, there's going to be something else that comes afterwards. So it's Kuhnian in its uh, idea of like paradigms, but um, yeah, we're, we're getting to that point where um, I think, we as Westerners have kind of realized that we've gotten away from something and we can never return to that whole like idea of like religion as it existed in 16th century Europe. That's done entirely. But I, I do see um, probably not within my, my current lifetime, um, but I do see people trying to move towards the sense of connection to something outside of ourselves. That whole, to, to go right back to the way that we started this conversation, that the acknowledgement of something else is is enough yes i think and and whether you consider yourself a philosopher or an occult philosopher or an armchair magician or whatever or even a magician just an acknowledgement of something else it doesn't need a name that's enough i think amen um and <laughs> i uh i hesitate to bring this up at the very end is we're getting closer here but i we got enough time to to touch on it um sure. man this has been a, a great conversation just the tip of the iceberg too so yeah, i can't man. wait for round two um yeah me too <laughs> um but i i, I again um yeah, that, I, I appreciate you to even talking about like the auditory hallucination part, because mm. one thing that I've emphasized um, in when it comes to why I'm interested in these things um, is, you know, like and, and, and alchemy in particular, I gravitate towards um, alchemy and hermeticism because my mind, my life and my psyche itself was just, and one might say it's because I'm a Pisces among other things, but it was, <laughs> it was always polarized. It was always very dualistic. Mm. Um, it was, I, it was always in extremes. Um, and I was able to sort of lasso that and learn to work with that. I, I wasn't able to eradicate it because that's just how my brain, that's my psyche. Um, but I learned to work with those polar opposites that my mind would always oscillate towards, you know, like I, uh, in high school was diagnosed as the, the lesser degree of bipolar. And that was, you know, some years ago. And, um, I don't fit that diagnosis at all anymore. So it was either a misdiagnosis or, you know, I think that those, those diagnoses, that's a different conversation. They can be useful, but they are also not the end-all be-all. Um, well, I think that we also are locked in this system, whereas we think that nothing changed, that there is only constant. We have the constant laws of gravity and the constant laws of constant laws, and human beings are constant. And it's just like, no, the right. only constant is change. And people need to register and recognize this 
And that's wonderful if you think things like astrology is cool or if you celebrate like Samhain and Beltane and things like that is to realize that you yourself have cycles and seasons, right? And I'm not just Mm -hmm. throwing this at people like sometimes you're just going to feel bad and you're going to feel sad. And it doesn't have to have an explanation to it all the time. Sometimes it does. Yeah, it could be like some childhood trauma, but also realize sometimes you just don't feel good. And I'm I'm not saying this to relativize people's expressions and 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 the things that have occurred in their life, but but you are always changing. It's that whole Buckminster Fuller-esque idea that you seem to be a verb, right? Like we are constantly changing. I also was diagnosed as being bipolar and ADHD, severe ADHD. Some days I feel it. Some days I don't, mm-hmm. but, but I think that we are fed this idea that we cannot change and, or if we can only change through um, interventions like cognitive behavioral therapy, which do help. I'm not going to say that they, they don't help at all, but it's just that you realize that some things just like a snake skin fall off of us, right? Mm-hmm. Or they were never there to begin with. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. I, 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 I don't like the, I have to be careful here because it, it, this might make people feel like I don't acknowledge their experiences and I do, but I think that this idea that is being fed to us consistently and I, and through various avenues that there are always things wrong with you, wrong with humanity, wrong with the system of government that you live in, wrong with everything. Everything is always wrong. I think needs to go. I don't think it helps. There are things we can change and things that I would change. Absolutely. But not everything starts off in the negative. And, and one of my biggest teachers has always been Robert Anton Wilson is to, to go back to young and manly, another, another dead white dude. Um, <laughs> at least he was an optimist. At least he gave himself to be like, you know what? Things aren't always bad. And, and so I, sorry to jump right on, right. On, Cause I know you had a question, man. Um, but uh, yeah, I think these things, sometimes they just go and, and they don't have an explanation and not everything needs an explanation. And the, the biggest question that I think people need to ask themselves always while they're navigating their way through life is not, is not what is happening, but how it's happening and just observe how, yeah. is, how is this happening? How do I feel? How does that feel against the backdrop of what's going on in my life? Like, yeah. how can I be different? Yeah. I, I think that that was a great articulation um, because um, I'm always interested in esotericism, you know, metaphysics, magic. I'm interested in esoterica in as far as it regard in its relationship to therapy. Um, and when you, when you talk about something like that, you have to emphasize that I'm not saying, you know, this is, I'm not a doctor. I'm not, I'm not saying that you should do this in place of therapy. You need to do your own thing. But what we are definitely saying is that it's helped us in our own respects. And the uh, being, if you're going through some sort of self-actualization, looking for some catharsis, be mindful of these aspects of life. You know, if you're going to go through some sort of, um, uh, you know, healing process, I, I certainly would. And it sounds like without a doubt, Doug would too. We emphasize not focusing on just the nuts and bolts materialist side. If you really want full healing, you know, nothing's ever going to be complete 
Uh, but if you want to take the steps in that healing process, you're going to have to start looking at, um, you know, more the the more esoteric side of your health. Or here, here's the here's the cure for everybody. You ready, everybody? Here's the secret. I'm going to give out the magical secret yes, to everybody on on the black hoodie alchemy. You ready? Exclusive. For six months, if you can, and if the weather's nice, go find a spot in the woods and just sit there for an hour a day. Just sit there. That's it. Do that for six months and you'll see a lot of things fall away. You'll see a lot of things change and it's really quite wonderful. But, and I'm not, I'm not saying this to be like frivolous. This is actually true. We've lost a lot, but back in the day we had nothing but time. And we would just do things like this. We didn't, we didn't have constant distractions. And I'm not just talking about your phone. I'm talking about everything, the worries of everything. But if you can spare an hour a day or at least four times a week to just go and sit, just sit for a little bit, even a park, even if you're living in a city and just sit, you'll meet some amazing people. You'll learn some crazy shit. Just take some time for time in general, and you'll see wonderful things change. And that's, that's, that's the magic that most people are looking for is just that, that time. All magic is time-based, but just spending some time doing nothing. That's pretty magical as well. And, and listening to black hoodie alchemy, maybe when you're, when you're sitting out there. So yeah, you got to listen, yeah, yeah. listen to some podcasts. So yeah. And what magic there. is this? That's really, or my show, whatever it's, it's in there. It's, <laughs> it's, it's all good. My, my show, you might need like a notepad and stuff like that, but I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's life we're constantly told how hard life is and it is, it sucks a lot of the times, but it's also quite beautiful. And just sitting doing nothing. There's nothing more magical than that, but give yourself six months, everybody give yourself six months. Just go sit somewhere. Yeah. You can meditate. Yeah. You can go up the, I don't know, the Kabbalistic tree of life, blah, 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 blah. That's, that's not as important as just sitting around and just seeing what's happening around you. You'll notice how much you miss when you just shut up and sit somewhere, particularly if it's green. I'm just going to say that there's something about greenness and growth that helps. Yeah. I, I put my big stamp of approval on that. most definitely nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, black hoodie alchemy approved right there, but um, love it. Yeah, no, um, this was great. Um, I think this was, you know, a great part one helping us, um, you know, tiptoe through a working history of um, of magic a little bit and what it means in the modern day and talking about some reasons that it might be useful. So next time around, you know, we'll we'll bring all this back into play. And I think we'll really dive into uh, practice a bit and application sure. a bit. More. Yeah, yeah. OK, definitely. I'd love nice. that, man. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Doug, uh, for coming on, man. It was a real pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Anthony. I'm so glad that we were able to connect, man. And I, I really enjoy this. Thank you for, for letting me yell at you um, and, and your listeners for, for an hour or so. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I truly appreciate it, man. It's been, it's been enjoyable. Uh, likewise, it was our pleasure. Um, I, I'm sure the listeners enjoyed it as well. And yeah, don't forget, everybody, what magic is this? You can go uh, check out the Doug rant about a multiplicity of things. Um, and it's all great, eh? Um, and you know check out the black hoodie alchemy backlogs we're we're around more and more this is like the 53rd or fourth episode i don't have count on top so yeah we're getting more out there so uh that's good <laughs> yeah um divemind.net you all know the deal um take it easy everybody hope you're here for me next week